Welcome to our Christmas Eve hour of worship. I can tell you, we've, um, we have just been enjoying this evening so much. It's, the Lord has blessed every service special. We're having a wonderful time up here, and I want to tell you that you wisely chose the best service. You have more breathing room than anybody has had so far, and we're going to have a, a tremendous hour together. We're going to enjoy sharing again the beautiful music of Christmas. And we're going to retell the story of Christmas that's really never fully told. Above all, we have been praying that um, as a result of the music and the story and the working of the Spirit in your heart, that uh, your hearts are going to be warmed and they're going to be encouraged and they're going to be challenged by the joy that Christmas offers to anyone who wants to receive it. In fact, we're so confident that God meets us in very special even surprising ways on Christmas Eve, and this has been proven to me over and over again, that with great confidence, we welcome you to an evening that at Menlo Presbyterian we traditionally call the loveliest night of the year.
do come and we do adore you for you are worthy of that adoration. And we ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would empower us to experience the wonder that is Christmas. Lord, where we are hopeless, give us hope tonight. Lord, where we are cynical, give us faith. Where we are joyous, help us to see you as the source of that joy. And we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. And as you are being seated, we ask you and invite you to turn, greet people around you because this is the loveliest night of the year. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests.
All of you can come any Christmas Eve. You sing tremendously. That sounded wonderful. That echo gets better every service, too. You did a good job. Recently, I was thinking about some common benedictions that we give each other, like be good, take care, be safe, see you later. So I thought of one I want us to think about tonight. Don't miss the joy. You see, the essence of Christmas is indescribable joy. Articulated, remember, by the angelic messenger who said, I bring you good tidings of great joy. This great joy is, 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 is unique in that it's not dependent upon any outer circumstances, which may, maybe you brought through the door tonight, but it's like an underground spring. It comes from our heart. It's there regardless of what's going on outside because it comes from the Lord himself. Why did the angels speak of joy in relation to Christmas? I'll give you one real answer, and that is the birth of Jesus is the historical proof that the God of this universe cherishes, adores, and is irrationally in love with every one of us. In fact, so much so, he was born in the flesh to build a link between himself and us, between the seen and the unseen world, Christmas brings joy simply because its message is the good news that God is like Jesus. Jesus gives God a face. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Along life's journey, many of us have picked up various pictures of God. Unfortunately, many of them are distorted images. Some feel great guilt for having done things we can't fix. We view God as an angry judge bent on punishing us for our foolish behavior. We even blame him for ugly things. And we believe somehow bad happenings are him punishing us or others for what we've done. Christmas corrects those distorted views of God with these revelations that Jesus calls the truth about God. God's for us. He isn't against us. He greets our guilt with compassion and forgiveness, not punishment. And no matter how far we've wandered from him, even tonight he stands with open arms, ready to see, receive us back home. And the only thing he asks is that that's where we want to be. Christmas joy, irrepressible, irresistible joy is available to anyone who recognizes that they have a spiritual need and that they make a choice to follow Jesus as their savior from sin, death, separation from God. As the Bible says, Jesus reconnects us with God. Christmas joy is for those then, bottom line, for those who will allow God to love them. And that's what we're hoping you'll do tonight. So what can you do to make certain you don't miss the joy of Christmas? The Bible tells us simply acknowledge your need for what Jesus offers. Forgiveness of sins, a restoration of our relationship with God. It's like coming back home after we wandered away. Bottom line, you're going to find Christmas joy by making the decision, as many of us have, to become a Christian, a follower of Jesus. But I want to tell you something sad. For a whole bunch of reasons, most people reject God's Christmas gift of love. A most common reason for such rejection, the Christmas story doesn't make sense. 
at least to a logical mind. Why did God become flesh? Why would he die on the cross? How does something 2,000 years ago impact us today? Well, it's a mystery, like love. You, you never can understand it rationally. It has to be approached with another form of knowledge, and that is faith. And so like Christmas carols that we sing over and over again, tonight we're going to tell you a familiar story, the parable of the birds, that we know have helped many struggling with a lot of doubts and skepticisms about the Christmas story. Once upon a time, there was a man who looked upon Christmas as a lot of humbug. He wasn't a Scrooge. He was a kind and decent person, generous to his family, upright in all of his dealings with others. But he didn't believe all that stuff about incarnation, which churches proclaim at Christmas. And he was too honest to pretend that he did. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, who was a faithful churchgoer. But I simply cannot understand this claim that God becomes man. On a Christmas Eve, his wife and children went to church for the midnight service. He declined to accompany them. I'd feel like a hypocrite, he explained. I'd rather stay home, but I'll, I'll wait up for you. Shortly after his family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window and watched the flurries getting heavier and heavier. Well, we must have Christmas, he thought. It's nice to have a white one. He went back to his chair by the fireside and began to read his newspaper. A few minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound. It was quickly followed by another, then another. He thought that someone must be throwing snowballs at his living room window. When he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They'd been caught in the storm and in a desperate search for shelter, had tried to fly through his window. I can't let these poor creatures lie there and freeze, he thought. But how can I help them? Then he remembered the barn where the children's pony was stabled. It would provide a warm shelter. He put on his coat and galoshes and he tramped through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the door wide and turned on a light. But the birds didn't come in. Uh, food will bring them in, he thought. So he hurried back to the house for breadcrumbs, which he sprinkled on the snow to make a trail into the barn. To his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flop around helplessly in the snow. He tried shooing them into the barn. They walked every direction except into the warm, lighted barn. They find me a strange and terrifying creature, he said to himself. And I can't seem to think of any way to let them know that they can trust me. If only I could be a bird myself, just for a few minutes, perhaps I could lead them to safety. Just at that moment, the church bells began to ring. He stood silently for a while, listening to the bells, pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. Now I understand, he whispered. Now I see why you had to do it. What about you tonight? Do you possess that 
joy of being absolutely certain you're loved, cherished, treasured by your Heavenly Father? Are you certain there is nothing you can do or ever have done that will make God stop loving you? Are you certain that you have eternal life in heaven when the clock here in this earth runs down? A certainty that frees you from the fear connected with our mortality. The other night I was with someone in the Stanford emergency room. Both of us were followers of Jesus. And, you know, it was interesting during that time of crisis, you can talk about theology, but they're right there in that time. We knew Jesus was there as much as we believe he's here tonight. He's as real to us as any other person. And we knew he was in control and we knew we, we had a hope regardless of which way things went. And I thought, what a treasure and how I, I want everybody to have that kind of inner joy, even in the worst of crises. You see, to miss the joy of being loved by God and Jesus Christ is to miss the very purpose of our existence. And so I challenge you again tonight, don't miss the joy. My granddaughter the other day was out in the parking lot and she yelled at me. She's two, year old, two years old. She said, Grandpa, I love you so much. And you know, when I heard that little voice coming across the lot, I can't tell you what those words made me feel inside. And I thought tonight, how much more if every one of you could hear God saying, I love you so much. Don't miss the joy of being loved by God. That's what Christmas is about. Someone sent me an email in response to the service last night, and I had to share it. It's a poem, God's Crazy About You. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If God has a wallet, your picture would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. When you want to talk, he listens. <laughs> he could live anywhere in the universe, and yet he chose your heart. And that Christmas gift he sent you in Bethlehem. Face it, friend, he's crazy about you. Well, you know, it could be said many ways. But tonight we say simply, let God love you. Because that love gives you a kind of security. We who follow Jesus know the Bible puts it this way. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. The cords of death entangled me. In my distress, I called to the Lord and I cried out to my God for help. And he reached down from on high. He took hold of me and he drew me out of deep waters. You turned my wailing into dancing and you removed my sackcloth and you closed me with joy that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Jesus came to tell us the truth about God, that he is our help in times of trouble, our healer in times of illness, our source of forgiveness when we can't forgive ourselves, and the giver of eternal life, and on and on goes the list. Best of all, I find Jesus is that friend who, after I've fallen face down in failure time and time again, he always comes, picks up the pieces, lifts me up and says, let's start again. You see, God is the hound of heaven. He will never, ever give up seeking us. One last piece of good news. For Christians, we look at Christmas kind of as a window back to Bethlehem, but it's a window really into the future when we look for that time when our Lord Jesus comes back again as the King of Kings, because basically Christmas points us to the future, not the past. As Billy Graham says, 
There will be a glorious climax to human history. There is more to Christmas than the birth and death of Jesus. At his birth, he was laid in a manger. At his death, he wore a crown of thorns. But when he comes again, it will be as commander-in-chief of the armies of heaven. He will take control of this war-weary world, bring the permanent peace we strive for. A new world will be formed. A new social order will emerge. The king is coming, and when he comes, sin will be eliminated from the human scene. Nation shall not lift up against sword against nation, and war will be no more. What a glorious hope. And that's really the heartbeat of Christmas. What's still going to happen when Jesus comes again? These are the tidings of Christmas joy. They can be yours tonight by simply making the decision to trust Jesus as your Savior. So again, I say don't miss the joy of Christmas. I want to give you my favorite verse in the Bible, but sort of put your name on it when it reads, God so loved you that he gave his only begotten Son that believing in him you should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn you, but that the world through him, that you through him might be saved. These are the tidings of great joy we share tonight. And yes, the angel spoke them to the world so long ago, but the Spirit of God is speaking them to you right now, tonight, saying, Behold, I bring you tidings of great joy. For to you is born this day a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You are loved. You're forgiven. You're invited to become part of God's forever family. This is a Christmas gift, and tonight I have the joy of just inviting you to open it, savor it, and enjoy its healing, liberating, motivating power. Don't miss the joy. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, Christmas is a gift. We're so grateful you wanted to be with us so much. You came and were born here lived here, died here, was resurrected here so we could live with you forever. It's a wonderful gift. We praise you for it. Indeed, that makes this a very holy night to celebrate it. In Jesus' name, amen.
told you at the beginning that Christmas Eve is a time when we really expect God to speak to people and we know that he's spoken to us tonight. But perhaps your heart got a special nudge. We presented the Christmas gift of Christmas love and it's something that you've never opened. And maybe tonight, as always happens, as I get letters and phone calls, that there are some people that step from being a seeker to become a believer, even on Christmas Eve. They step from seeking to finding. And we'd like to take just a moment, and if you've had a nudge in your heart and you'd like to make that decision, becoming a Christian is always a decision. It isn't a feeling, it's a decision. We'd like to give the Spirit of God a chance to work on your heart for just a moment. Let's bow in prayer. And Lord, we're so glad that you loved us enough to come here. And you're always seeking, you're always inviting, and you never give up. And I pray that those who got nudges will turn to that gift and open it tonight. And that their seeking will turn into sight, their skepticism into faith. Oh Lord, may you become real to each one of us because we celebrated your birthday tonight. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.
come now to that very special time in a Christmas Eve service when we light. Do an offering first, brother. Do you know what happens after six services? <laughs> You're just going to have to wait to light the candle. <laughs> and when a pastor forgets the offering, you know there have been a lot of services. <laughs> I love the song that uh, Debbie just sang because it says that our hope was born tonight and in a very real sense that's absolutely true because the coming of Jesus into the world and the passion in the heart of God for people like you and me that sent him is the wellspring of all the hope that there is in this world. And anything we do in response to that is just that. It's a thank you. It's a response. And that's what our offering will be tonight. If you'd like to participate in our special Christmas offering there are special envelopes in the pew racks in front of you, and those uh, offerings go to, to fund some special projects for at-risk kids in Redwood City, in Ethiopia, in China, and other places around the world. And the gifts you give uh, in the offering plate, apart from this, go this week as they go every week to impact lives for the sake of Jesus Christ here and around the world.
Now that I prepared you, indeed, we are going to a very holy moment in this service. And I just love this part. That's why I get anxious. Because when we light a candle, we create a moment in worship that's so full of symbols. A candle can mean warmth, can mean hope, can mean encouragement, it can mean light. 
I trust that whatever it symbolizes tonight, it's going to be directed to that need that you brought through the doors with you because God's aware of it and he wanted to meet you where you needed him most tonight. And the result of that happening is that then these candles that will surround you in a few moments will represent joy.
I speak for the whole team tonight in saying it's been such a pleasure to lead you in worship. We look forward to Christmas Eve. We hope you do too. And our greatest prayer is that whatever need you brought with you tonight, whatever hunger that was satisfied, that you met the Christ of Christmas, that you heard the tidings of great joy. And so when I say to you tonight, don't miss the joy, I hope you'll be able to say we won't. Merry Christmas and good night. <laughs> 